Before this episode of your favorite 1517 podcast begins, please take a moment to listen to this trailer for 1517's newest academy on Faith and Reason featuring Dr. Adam Francisco. You can sign up for this academy after listening to the trailer by following the link in your show notes below. Enjoy. What role does philosophy play in theology? What can we know about God by looking at nature? Where does reason end and faith begin? And do science and religion necessarily conflict? These are just some of the questions posed by Christian thinkers across the ages. This course covers both the way these and many other questions have been debated across the centuries and how we might apply the wisdom of the past to the questions of our own day. The assumption is that Christians are irrational, that Christianity is something akin to a cleverly devised myth and even an enemy of science. Examples supporting these stereotypes and caricatures can certainly be found. That's not the complete picture, though. It's not even close. It's quite the contrary, for Christianity has long expressed itself in ways that are reasonable and even philosophically sophisticated. It has long defended itself by appeals to evidence, and certainly has a long history of interacting with science. In fact, modern science finds its roots in the Christian tradition. So what does reason have to do with faith, philosophy with theology, religion with science? The answer is a whole lot. This course introduces you to just some of these issues as it explores the contours of some of the most basic topics of Christian theology, the issues of faith and reason. Welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friends and colleagues, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg and the Reverend Professor Jason Oakland. Uh, Jason, are you sweating at all? No, not yet. He complained that I had uh, had him turn off the air conditioning. Well. Because it has been coming through a little bit on previous episodes, and uh, and he has... He said he had to wear extra layers. Yeah, I, I have, believe is what you said. Yeah, dress and shirt. And why was that, Jason? Uh, they had retakes for our. Uh, well, I shouldn't say retakes. They just had an opportunity to update your faculty profile picture. And, and so you've uh, you've shaved a beard. I take it like a big long beard, maybe. Yep. Yep. Or you did did something different with your hair. Right. Um, I did get a. Fresh haircut, but I was a little disappointed that you did not notice. Uh, I also comment, got a haircut yesterday. Well, you're and you, you did have, not notice. Well, that's because you have your hat. The side still faded. <laughs> now you have headphones on. Why? Did, why did you get a new headshot, Jason? Well, the other one I was just never quite, <laughs> quite satisfied with. It was, it wasn't, it was not great. So, <laughs> uh, I would encourage our listeners to Google Jason Oakland WLC or Wisconsin Lutheran College and go ahead and take a look. Maybe even save that headshot um, <laughs> now before a new reference. one is up. Jason looks like uh, it's the first time he's ever got his picture <laughs> taken, and he's afraid that his soul is going <laughs> to escape from uh, I, from his body. 
I did make sure to uh, just double check. He looks check. like he has multiple restraining orders on <laughs> I did make sure, like, hey, you mind if I just take a peek at this one quick? And, <laughs> well, that's probably and, why, uh, Jason. So, so that was good because uh, uh, I did not do that the last time, and uh, I was a little, I, I was a little disappointed. So, so we got uh, got a good, uh, well, at least a better one. And uh, I mean, I no one has ever uh, accused me of being overly photogenic. So, well, good. Yeah. Well, we are going to be talking about today a topic that I have not run by the guys because none of them cared enough. To say what's going to be the topic, Wade. I I yeah. send out these messages all the time. Tell when are we no, going to record? When are we going to record? You send out what are we going to record? Vague stuff and like <laughs> tomorrow. Give me a time and a topic, Wade. Be a leader. <laughs> no one said topic, and so I do have a topic. I have a lot on. I'm going to give. You I have a, a lot on my plate right now. I, I acknowledge one, that for one, <laughs> mourning the loss of the Pac-12, probably. Yeah, oh, Oregon yeah. and Washington. Is that it harder or not as hard as the loss of Pee Wee Herman? I know. Harder. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like Oregon and Washington have been invited to the Big Ten. This is stupid. Arizona, yeah. Arizona State, and Utah probably going to go to the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'm sick of the Big Ten getting bigger. I, I'm, I'm disappointed with that too. It's like Preston is going to be like the the Big Ten is half the half the. Well, that's because the your teams were terrible when it was still just ten. I just saw something. The I mean, last terrible. The last it? college football team to three peat was the Minnesota Gophers. Wow. Yeah. College football. So we're done. We're done college football. Uh, uh, Give me your topic then. Well, I'm going to tell you when it's time for the topic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Let the Bird Fly is part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Encourage you to go to 1517.org and check out all the uh, good stuff there. They have uh, publishing stuff. They have free academy courses, and we should go ahead and remind you what you hear before this episode, because I will be plugging it in as the dutiful producer of episodes. Um, that academy course is free. You can sign up and do that with Adam Francisco on faith and reason. And there's, uh, I would say, few people I think it would be better to do it with than with uh, Adam Francisco on that topic. I also, uh, I was going to have this up, and then I forgot that I'm on the different computer Oh, I hate Google. It always tries to make you do all these things to open your Gmail account. Like someone's trying to break into my, <laughs> who wants, what's in my Google account? Let I, me try this on my phone. Oh, now it's trying I, to make me do. I, I was trying to break in earlier, but uh, I figured you had all sorts of um, unique and wonderful treasures saved there. But I don't know what was on my other device. This is This is upsetting me. All right. Michael or Jason, say something for a moment while I go find this. How about this? Uh, just we'll go out of order. This show doesn't speak for our churches or no, church bodies. We're not or doing employees. the. Dis- I have to say something first. Uh-huh. You got this email too about saying this. I, Did you note the email, Michael? I'll, I'll just jump okay, in. Okay, here and we say go. I've this. got it. Oh, wait. Uh. <laughs> Before we start the episode, insert podcast host names. Michael. Jason and Wade would like to thank our listeners for partnering with us during the annual podcast fundraiser. Together, listeners like you joined the 1517 Podcast Network in raising $68,000. Nice. Michael, would you like to comment on that? Nope. Okay. That's more than expected. In support of our podcasting efforts, this financial support maintains and builds 1570 Podcast Network's ability to declare and defend the good news that you are forgiven and free on account of Christ alone in every episode. 
Please help us continue our mission by filling out the brief survey located in the show notes. We still have to get sent that survey, so it may or not be in the show notes by the time I send this out. Thank you again for your continuing support of the 1517 Podcasting Network. So good news on that with the fundraiser. I'm assuming we're going to get sent, like, a lot of stuff now. Mm, I'm sure. We should ask for a robot, uh, a little podcast robot to be a, a, a co-host. Would that be good? Like uh, like, like Rocky got after he won the... the. I've never seen a Rocky movie, but... Oh, oh my goodness. What? Never seen a Rocky movie? Never. There are like dozens of them. You know the basic plot. Like he's always on the down and out and then he wins. Yeah. But he got a robot. And this was like back in the eighties robot after nice. after he won the title. You well, know. we should ask for one of those. And then he and then he was riding high and that's when he got beat because he got soft because he had a robot. So. Ah. Nice. Yeah. Michael, now why don't you give us a disclaimer? I don't want to. <laughs> Jason, would you like to? I can do that. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss the pressing issues of the day. On our free-for-all topic, I will give in just in one moment. But first, I want to say I read the, the email that we got more fully. And I wasn't actually supposed to read that thing till August 14th, so I was a little ahead of the curve. So that's why we don't have a survey yet. But listeners, watch for that survey yeah. when it comes out. And now we know Rocky got a robot. Got a robot. Uh, but Faith and Reason, you should check out with the 1517. Academy. Okay, semester's about to start off, and uh, you guys know if there's anything I'm about, I'm about gratitude. <laughs> yes. In fact, often uh, when I see you guys, I'll just choose to tell you something I'm grateful about. Yeah. And so I thought we'd just go around, and uh, we're not in the parish now. We're picking up with a semester. We had a summer uh, that's different than the summers we used to have in the parish, and I figured I'd just ask each of us, what's one thing you enjoy most? about being at Wisconsin Lutheran College as a professor. Does that sound fair? Sure. Michael looks like he's lost in thought on this. <laughs> Jason, why don't we let you go first unless you want me to? Um, I'll go first. I would say one of the th- or the one of the things And let's say we can't say teaching because that's what we're supposed to say as the default. Sure. It's kind of like your favorite book you're supposed to say Bible. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a little. I think this is different enough from teaching, but I'll say the thing that I very much appreciate and am grateful for um, being here is the time that I'm allowed to um, dig deeply into different topics and the the time for 
study in that regard. And that, I would say that certainly is connected with the work of teaching, but it's not only for teaching. Um, it um, goes to inform and um, help a number of different areas that you're involved in. And, and so I'd say that's something that, you know, in the parish, I always enjoyed those opportunities um, when I had a bit of time for them or when we were able to do some formal education stuff. But uh, most of the time you just didn't have that time for um, a sustained dive. It's an expectation in a different way here than it is yeah. in the parish. Yeah, right. And and it, it's one, it's not only, hey, you have time for this, but you're expected, you, you are expected we want to you be doing, doing this type of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. It's um, an opportunity to do something uh, different than what I had been doing during my time in the parish. So That's a good one. And I would say none of this means uh, college or parish, one or the other, better or not. Right. Not better, because we've talked about before things we miss in the parish. Uh, but I think that is, I would agree, Jason, that's something I enjoy here. That it's, it's not, um, I don't feel as often when I'm picking up something to read or to research for the sake of reading and researching it, like, what else am I neglecting? Yeah. Uh, and I would say, you know, <laughs> to be fair, there are some things that, are, again, like you say, that you don't get to do um, that you really miss. But, for sure. Yeah. But that's one of the things I am very grateful for. I would say for me, um, I never served in a parish with an associate. So this is something that could be in the in the parish. But I would I would say I enjoy uh, the collegiality, um, and not just of our department or of our school. Uh, and it's something that I want to do better at this year because I used to do a lot more of this before COVID. Uh, but serving with a, a faculty that's all called, um, that are all, Wisconsin Center Evangelical Evangelical Lutheran Synod Lutherans, uh, but are doing high-level stuff in their own disciplines across a variety of fields. I really enjoy being in a setting where I would say I get pushed in my perspectives, my boundaries um, expanded by getting to find out the stuff that different people are doing and to get to bounce my stuff off people who come from a variety of backgrounds. And then I would say more as a microcosm of that, even uh, just amongst the pastors on campus, which what we're at seven, we'll be at eight hopefully um, soon. Just the variety of background and experience and work that we're all doing, whether it's teaching different classes or campus ministry admissions, stuff like that. Uh, I enjoy that as well. So I would say the kind of the collegiality that maybe you would have at like a, a, a big high school, um, but, but a collegiality amongst people who are um, doing college, mm-hmm. exciting stuff and preparing students in different ways for that. Michael. I'll, I'll oh, say too with, with that, just, I mean, I had an associate my whole time while I was in ministry uh, in the parish. Um, and we had, we always had school faculty as well, which, you know, had, uh, it, it was not a large faculty really, um, but it was a modest size and, and got, you know, bigger after the school merger that we were part of. Um, and I will say, too, that that is a, that is a wonderful blessing to, to be able to spend time uh, and that, that to, with people that you're serving with. Um, and uh, I think that'll be a good thing because, yeah, COVID kind of um, put the brakes on yeah. some of those type of well, things. Well, and you came so. in right in the middle of it, so you never right. got to have, or, and you were commuting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my my first year was kind of like the 
the not right on the it was the kind of the first full year um of trying to Navigate make this work yeah yeah michael you got anything i, I like grading papers Michael, that's not a serious I like answer. Because, like, in the parishes. Are you, gospel, are you gospel, playing your game on there? Gospel, you can be gospel, gospel, Are you gospel, playing this game? No. Gospel, gospel, You were, because you were doing this, and you yeah. never do this as Gospel, much. gospel, gospel. <laughs> and I just feel like I just, it's, I can judge people now. <laughs> so that's your favorite thing, Michael? That's what you're going to say? <laughs> Judging. Gotta love it. <laughs> I'm just giving a pause in case Michael wants to come up with a nice answer. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to the... Main topic. You've been uh, <laughs> been very uh, feisty yeah. lately on here. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna before we go to the main topic. Do we want the air back on? Jason's glistening. Am I? Yeah. I. I'm, we'll, we'll put it I back manage, on low fan. I'll let Jason put it back on, but it has to be low fan. All right. It should be on because it is fan. getting warm up here. We're on the third floor. It doesn't take long. And uh, and with that, we will make our way to the main topic. us to our main topic, uh, which I think Michael and Jason have put a lot of thought into, so this should be a really, really good segment. I think it should be called the mysterious main topic today. All right, so here's going to be the main topic. I remember once, I probably told the story on the podcast before, um, when I was serving in the parish, at first we had Sunday school before church. Um, it was like 9 a.m. church and then early Sunday school, so it was an early morning. And the kids would go to Sunday school, then we'd have church. One day we could not find my oldest son, Nicholas. Looking all over, how did we lose him? He was in Sunday school. Trisha went home. Turned out he was in the parsonage watching cartoons. And she said, what's going on? And he said, I'm not going to church today. It's always the same thing. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, part of me was happy. Like if that's <laughs> the thing he thinks I'm, I'm harping on. Yeah. But part of me thought, okay, you know, am I keeping this fresh? Now, He's also a, you know, a little adolescent boy. Mm. Um, but so my question for you guys for this episode is, does the gospel get old? And if so, why not? Um, I think that that's something that people wrestle with. I think hearers of sermons and preachers of sermons. For the hearer of sermon, perhaps they could be tempted to say it's the same thing every week because they hear the same, maybe law gospel um, Amalgam, or uh, maybe it is God's great exchange every week. Uh, maybe it's simply uh, vicarious atonement every week. You know, I'm not denying God's great exchange or vicarious atonement. What I mean is it's kind of whatever the text is, it gets to the same point. That could be. But I don't think there's there's a, a lot of pastors who are preaching in that way, that it's, <clears throat> that it's just always formulaic. I, I think uh, most of our pastors try to put time into the text, but I, I do think maybe sometimes as hearers, and I consider myself largely a hearer now, uh, we can fall into that of just expecting these. We, we kind of already know it. 
Um, but I think for preachers too, as we go to a text, maybe we can wrestle with how do I keep this fresh, right? Or maybe even we can fall into the rut of this is my job. I show up on Sunday. I say some law things. I say Jesus died. And so connected to this question of does the gospel get old? And if not, why not? I would add to that um, does preaching the gospel always mean you end up in the place where, uh, does it always mean we're going right to Good Friday, if that makes sense? And I don't mean um, going to Good Friday in kind of the traditional, now is the part where I tell you, Jesus took your sins on, he died. Um, what do we mean by gospel? Is there is there more to that as far as an image and a way of proclaiming it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I will throw it to whichever. Is this an okay topic? Mm-hmm. Okay, I will throw it to whichever of you two would like to, to start, but why don't we take the first one first. Does the gospel ever get old? Can you go in reverse order instead? Yeah, whatever order you want. I don't even know what forward order is. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the last thing you asked? Does the gospel ever get old? Yeah, but before that. Oh, uh, so, oh, reverse order of those. Yeah. Does the gospel ever get old? Second prong is, if not, why not? Third is, can you preach the gospel without being kind of the yeah. uh, vicarious atonement or, you know, the, 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 the classic Good Friday? Sure. Let's, let's, I don't let's, know a good way to say yeah. Penal substitution. Yeah. Let's, let's take that in reverse order because I, I think that it'll build to more interest. Um, so we have to be careful here because we don't use this language in... In, in Lutheran circles, but common grace, right? Like, God's nice to me. Um, he, he's a provider. Uh, there's providence. Uh, he's got a plan for me, that kind of stuff. Is that God's love? Sure. But we don't want to mix that with the favor dei, right? the, the, the actual forgiveness of sins. So can you, can you that, that's caveat number one. Now to your question, can you do that without always talking about you're sinful, God forgave you? Yeah, I think you can. I think uh, he's victorious over death and sin. Uh, Christus victor, right? Um, I think um, preparing a place for you in heaven, right, would would count for that. Um, You're not righteous and then you're made righteous is is a little bit different than just that he paid the price for it right those kinds of things so i think it's it has to be said right for you it can't be uh detached from the cross but i think you're right that you don't always have to spell out the cross every single time and even with the with the cross um what i mean by that with the context of the cross too is that part of what's happening at the cross like the when we talk about atonement theories we don't mean like this is what we think maybe happened um but what we mean is there's a lot that happened in the cross so there might be a different emphasis for instance in different ages in the church and preaching and different in the east than in the west um and so i should should be be preaching on all of them right what i mean with good friday especially with the cross is kind of the, the penal substitution that this is we sin christ paid the price um, and that is that is that happened on the cross. It's not a theory like maybe it happened. Um, Christ took our place; he paid our debt. Um, but is there 
Is there maybe more to the gospel that can be hit on? And is the sermon insufficient if it doesn't hit one or both of those atonement theories of vicarious satisfaction or penal substitution every Sunday? I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily insufficient if you say, well, we didn't, we didn't talk about Jesus on the cross. Um, so that means you're, you, you for surely missed something and, and something was lacking. Um, but I think you probably don't want to do that too often either. Um, and, I think, and, and I think that maybe goes back to... And here again, when I'm saying cross... I don't mean cross doesn't get mentioned in the right. sermon or Jesus on it, but we all know the very specific language we're used to mm-hmm. hearing in mm-hmm. confessional Lutheran yeah. churches, yeah. right? Yeah. Which can become formulaic. So that's especially what I have in mind. And and I think that kind of goes back to like some of the the different whether you talk pictures or theories <laughs> or however you know the different ways Scripture speaks of this, which you guys were kind of talking about. I think you know that that defines some of that. Um, I think also um, maybe the um, the time of the the church year uh, may also and the other lessons for the day may also kind of shape the direction that um, that message goes um, and and maybe also the occasion in that in your particular congregation. Um, may say, well, the, the way that the gospel is proclaimed here today doesn't maybe necessarily quite get to and Jesus died to take your sins away um, in that formulaic way or a more familiar way, but um, it could, but presumably the gospel would still be there, but, but it would, I mean, that's the goal, of course, but it, it, those are those are all things I think that that kind of maybe push messages or push sermons different directions uh, and um, inform the way the gospel is presented that day. Yeah, I mean, think about like visiting somebody dying in the hospital, right? I mean, you're going to say words like "It's going to be okay," right? It's going to be all right. You've already died in baptism. This is old hat. Um, you get to go home, right? I can I can speak gospel without going straight to the cross. However, it assumes the cross, yeah. right. right? And that's the second caveat is, yes, for your people that know what they're talking about, they're going to connect the dots, but the gospel assumed can be the gospel denied. And so you have to be careful. And I think what you're after here is, can I preach the cross in, in a way that isn't for formulaic or isn't just right. the same that puts thing well. over and over and over again. So um, maybe now go to the original one, like uh, the, the original. And I, I think of just, if before, when go we'll ahead. go there, think of Chrysostom's Easter sermon, mm-hmm. famous sermon, probably one of the best sermons preached in the history of Christianity. It's Easter and it's, it's, there's, it's all gospel, right? But it's, yeah, so go ahead to go yeah. to the first. But I, what I'm getting at is that kind of formulaic where I think pastors can feel sometimes handcuffed, like, okay, here, and then hearers. And I think it it's not a service to the gospel to have the cross become 
formulaic, but how do we avoid it becoming formulaic? It, the gospel is the best news ever, but... Um, and deserves more than a formula. And God says it in so many ways in the scriptures. I mean, it's it's not... Uh, you know, you're... There's a there's a richness to how God presents yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel Protestants have taken that richness and narrowed it down to where we feel like if we don't say this exact thing this exact way, now I haven't preached the gospel. Yeah, I. So let me come at this from a roundabout way. Um, I think my first five, six, seven years of preaching, I noticed myself being very creative with the law. It's very easy to be very creative with the law. Right, and and come up with a fresh way of speaking about the law, because there's a million examples in my everyday life that I can draw from, and and talking about the flaws of humanity, and so the law can be very formulaic too, right? Like, oh, and you didn't try, you weren't thankful, and you didn't try your best. Right. I mean, if if you know anything about humanity on any level, man, you can really go at people. And it was hard for me to preach the gospel in a fresh way and shame on me. And I don't think it was because uh, that changed. Now I think it's flipped for me where um, it's easier to preach the gospel in a fresh way for me today. And I don't think it's because I grew academically, although I suppose I did. But it's because, as we say very often, the, the parish is the best tutor, right? And uh, we, we joke about saying, you know, when I was a real pastor, and we don't, we're not making a statement on the doctrine of ministry here. What we're saying is, unless you're, unless you're boots on the ground in hospital rooms and in broken marriages and, and this stuff, the gospel is abstract for you. Right, um, the law is not so abstract for you because you live it. You've lived it every day. The gospel, though, can be for a young pastor abstract, um, more so than the law. Um, or for a pastor who's been out a while but has somewhat been hedged off, maybe isn't hedged off from his congregation. As, yeah, because yeah. that I there were times that happened for me. Yeah. That can happen as you grow in ministry. Yeah. And so you can have a spell also where it becomes abstract yeah. again. So I wonder then if when, you, when we get to your, to your question of, you know, well, maybe let me ask the question in, in my own way. Why do people get bored with the gospel? Which is fair, yep. Why do yeah. people get bored with the gospel? And I, I think the normal answer, and it, it, it is an answer, but if I can anticipate, uh, one that people right. say is, well, they're not properly hearing the law. Right. And that, I think, is part of it, but that makes it simply a law answer. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. go ahead, though. So, I mean, I've heard it from people who should have known better. Like, okay, I get the gospel, now tell me what to do. That's why it's a very American practical kind of thing. And my reaction to that is, is your reaction. Like, well, you have not yet appreciated the law yet. You have not. If the law is shallow, then the gospel will be shallow. And if the law cuts, then the gospel truly will heal. I think that that's, that stands. But when I got, and I've said this before, when I got in a rut preaching, it's probably because I wasn't, certainly I didn't do my tech study maybe, but it was also I wasn't with my people 
or I hadn't read something outside of the, the world of theology in a while, right? And that is to say that I was not connected by experience or connected by intellect to the human being. And that, while that's true of preachers, it's probably fair to say that can also be true of a hearer who's Absolutely. struggling to hear the gospel as well, right. beyond them, themselves. I, I, when, uh, my youngest daughter was complaining about reading. She's, she's becoming a better reader right now. And, um, I'm going to use this in a sermon one day um, in chapel. I, I gotta find you know. You, you ever got a sermon? You're looking for a text anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. You know how long it took me to be able to do the foreskin one? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sitting on that for a decade. <laughs> um, so she's like, I'm like, I'm like, go read. I don't want to read. And I'm like, it's not about what you want. This is good for you, whatever. And I did a whole long thing about the logos. She's like in fourth grade, so she, <laughs> she. I'm just playing with her. Like, this is how you communicate. This is how God made us. The order, the Lord, whatever. And she's like, it's boring. And I said, reading's not boring. You're, You're boring. boring, right? And that is that is a profound thing. And so there is something on the listener where the listener, there's something on the on the speaker, right? Obviously, and you can tell a guy hasn't you know hasn't thought deeply about what it means to be a human being when it becomes formulaic, either the law or the gospel. But. Um, and it is our job as speakers to pull to to lead listeners to these to these places where they maybe have not gone, but there's some responsibility on the on the listener too. Yeah, there's a reason Luther says yeah. to gladly hear and learn yeah. the word. So yeah. if if you're, it's more than just giving your pastor the benefit of the doubt. I, I think stopping and and. and be charitable in the sense maybe he knows what he's talking about here. I think another thing that that reason why it can become formulaic, and this is not necessarily a wrong thing, is that we tend to speak as if we're writing theological briefs that are going to be criticized by other people. And, and, and they should be in a certain way. But we're writing in certain language to not be misunderstood by our seminary um, professors or, or our classmates, yeah. right? Now, the flip side of that is when someone with a non-theological background who may loves Jesus and gets the gospel says something, and we hear it and we go, oh, I wouldn't have said it that way because you don't, you don't understand. Because you remember sophomore year dog. Well, or just in or the... What, wouldn't that sophomore year? Midler. Or even yeah. even a, a even I did really go to seven. Yeah. <laughs> even from a very very pastoral way, I'm like, oh, you don't say that because that could. I know what the hearer is going to think of, actually going to take away from that, right? And this is true of everything, right? Like if I speak on medicine, if I speak on law, if I speak on whatever, you could tell that I'm a layman right away, right? And so there's some truth to this, but we we kind of in a way, aren't very pastoral there. We're being systematicians at that point of time and maybe hinder the gospel. It becomes form, formulaic. I don't want to say it this way because it might be misunderstood. So there's a balance there, right? Yep. Um, I'll throw in and then... Oh, go ahead, go Jason. Ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that the idea of the responsibility of hearer, um, I think, you know, there are a couple other things that... Um, 
maybe just add to to that thought. I think you know one is um, you're you're coming with the expectation of you, you should be coming with the expectation of hearing the gospel, right? That that which is one of those things that might be a a, a fairly basic assumption, but but you know you're not showing up to be entertained. You're not showing up to um, to um, necessarily find some deep, new, profound insight that you'd never heard before. You, you're showing up to hear the gospel. You want, you know, the 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 good news of Jesus and comfort, comfort and ca- comfort for conscience and care for your soul. Right? Um, that there's that expectation, and then I think, you know, maybe there's also uh, a bit of responsibility there to have, you know, thought a little bit. Um, maybe about your own life and experience. Because I think this is something, too, that, you know, when um, it's not just that they haven't maybe thought um, intellectually about law or gospel, but, but maybe even um, the, the lived experience of law and gospel, that, that idea of, you know, feeling, feeling the weight, uh, recognizing, maybe that's maybe the, the better term, recognizing, the weight and burden of the cross um, that uh, Christ has placed upon them, right? You know that that and and where where is it that you you and where is the only place that you can find a bit of a and and a bit of a break and a relief and I don't want to say escape, but at least you know a rest, a breather under that is in the cross of Christ, right? And and that message of the gospel, and and I think sometimes it is maybe maybe the maybe the focus has been you know and maybe the cross has been light for you at that point you know um but i think there's some sometimes that too where say you know man i you know life is life seems to be going pretty pretty good for me and um i guess that means i must be pretty good with god right now or god is pretty good with me and so i so i i think there's maybe some of that too not that you're not that you're looking for trouble but at the same time, being honest about some of those things in your in your own life and experience, and and bringing bringing that to the table, so to speak, when you're when you're listening. And and I think maybe this is where the New Testament is helpful because we see Jesus kind of assume that of his hearers uh, when he often speaks. We don't find a lot of sermons in the New Testament, right? That's that's one of the weird things with Christianity is Christianity now is largely experienced through sermons as far as it's, it's go forward and, and proclaim, preach, and teach. We get a lot of teaching in the New Testament, but as far were the epistle sermons, there's debate about that. Right? We, we, we have a lot of like, and then he preached, and then he preached, but we don't have the right. text. We have Peter at Pentecost, and we probably don't even have the whole sermon there. We have parts of it. We have the Sermon on the Mount, which is not a traditional sermon in the sense of what we would think about today. That's Paul. more... A, Paul in the Areopagus, or um, in uh, um, was it Antioch, or which the earlier one? In yeah, and even 13. even there, these aren't sermons in a normal congregation. You know, they're in a, yeah, right. a different setting. But Jesus, when he he's proclaiming the gospel, he's bringing good news. He often um, he doesn't unpack it, and he certainly doesn't unpack it pedantically. Sometimes he goes, "Do you understand what I'm saying?" Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they go, "The apostles say." What are, you, what are you saying? But otherwise, he 
you know, you think the, the all the lost stuff, the Luke 15, you think the tax collector and the, the Pharisee, the shepherd imagery. Now, these are things that are supposed to kind of connect with you in your experience. And I would say maybe it's somewhat like illustration, but it's not like illustration in the sense of maybe I've used illustrations in a sermon as a way to get to the formula, mm. you know, and maybe some of my weaker sermons. But it's a... It's an image, it's a story, it's a picture that includes within itself, right, both the law and the gospel, um, the good news. And so maybe part of a little bit of what I'm getting at with this too, because I I just throw out this question because I'm working through it, because I think it's a fair criticism that it's something that someone might sincerely throw out there and not mean in a bad way, but like I'm struggling as a preacher or as a listener with this. Um, I don't think you see that struggle as much if you look at Luther's own sermons, look at the sermons of Walther, and sometimes maybe earlier preachers. But um, is is maybe part of it uh, the temptation that cross becomes, right, we keep mentioning cross, and so I keep qualifying this, right, that what I mean is the cross as more than just, I'm not denying it, but more than just, the imagery of penal substitution or vicarious satisfaction, that penal substitution, that Christ is paying the price for our sins in our place, <clears throat> vicarious satisfaction, Christ is our substitute. These are both very important pictures. Isaiah talks about this. Um, the, uh, you know, the Day of Atonement treats with this. Uh, but that the cross is also absolution. I, I think we often connect absolution with the empty tomb, Uh but the cross, maybe what I'm getting at with the formulaic is that the, that the cross is more than intellectual. Mm-hmm. It's more than, than data. It wasn't like John is, is sitting with the women at the foot of the cross and then he goes, man, I can't wait till Anselm unpacks this. <laughs> um, it, they would have been struck by the cross in profound ways by what they witnessed. Um, that mark them as with the the resurrection as well. And so I'm absolutely affirming that we do need to hear the same thing again and again. We need law and gospel again and again. That's one of the things. If as a preacher you find yourself struggling with, do I really need to preach law and gospel again and again? Yes, read the scriptures. As a hearer, I need that. Um, But I don't know if that helps at all with what I'm trying to say with the formulaic part, but that that this is absolution for you um, and it's it's absolution. I mean, and this could be Christus Victor. There could be all kinds of places that we that we go with this. I mean, the gospel, by the way, right, is more than the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross is a part of the gospel, but without Easter, without yep. Christmas, um, and so. Uh, well, I would say the cross is the deal, and but there's many chapters in this book. Like the resurrection right. is a chapter in this yeah, book. Yeah, I'm not saying the yeah. cross is yeah. dispensable. Yeah. And I'm not even saying there should ever be a sermon that doesn't have that doesn't get to the cross in some way. Um, but yeah. but the um, the freshness of it, and I think there's maybe something to what Mike said with the preacher, and, and you said with the hearer, Jason, of the cross is is never speaking. The gospel is never speaking to a static individual. Right. Right. We're never the same every Sunday when we come. We're never the same every Sunday when we preach. Um, the gospel is always to people where they are, when they are. 
And that's part of the reason that sometimes a sermon one week hits someone else more than another person. I think it's also a reason why sometimes when I thought I had preached a real dog of the sermon, it would turn out that someone met with me that week and said, how did you know I needed that? Did someone talk to you? And then sometimes I'd have the week where I thought I preached the best sermon ever and crickets. Crickets. Right? Um, So if... if It's shocking how, how consistently that would happen. Yeah. You know, that, and, and I think, again, it's... Either people are really good at you know saying, "Man, he really, he needs really, he really stumbled here and needs some encouragement," <laughs> or the the Lord just has a way of um, reminding preachers regularly that um, it's maybe not not as much on you as you think. You yeah, know? maybe maybe a place to take this, and you guys can tell me if I'm off on this too, is that the gospel's never old because you are always new. Um, and Mike went to baptism already with the mm-hmm. gospel several times, and there's a reason Paul goes to baptism as right. This is this is gospel. I I am a new creature daily through the good news of the gospel. Daily in my baptism, I'm daily drowned and made alive. Um, so how can the gospel be old if it's always ever new for me, even as it is the same old song, so to speak, the the same old. Uh, story, and I think you both had 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 good things in mind here, and I'm thinking too of of lay people and hearers who are also in a way preachers, parents, spouses with each other, um, people who are going to be applying law and gospel in the home, uh, but for the preacher as well, going to a text, in what sense is the gospel um, never old? Uh, Precisely because of my life with neighbor, right? So Michael hit on the preacher needs to be out with his people, needs to know what's going on in their lives. I, as as spouse, as father, as colleague, as teacher, need to be aware of these things um, so that uh, it's not just that the gospel doesn't get old and that it's formulaic, but that it's it's always for neighbor and for me in different yeah. ways. Because I also, as father, as spouse, as as teacher, colleague, I need to receive gospel from those in my in my life as well. And so if that's happening, then what happens on Sunday is gonna hit more too. I'll I'll throw it out let, and stop. Let me make there. two point, points there. One is um, Jesus is very clear about calling himself like the truth, the life the way Jesus is love, he's the mystery or whatever. And in our minds... He's we the go, wisdom and power yeah, of God. And, yeah. we, and we, in our minds we go, oh, that's a nice picture, and move on. But there's something else going on there, right? It's, it's, it's not like God, is, Jesus is no longer true, you know, God in the flesh, and he's some sort of mystical thing. At the same time, it's not just a mere turn of a phrase, right? So... For the truth, well, what does that mean? Well, he's the one who ordered all things, so he actually set up what the truth is, right? Um, he's the only one that can really show you the truth, and so he becomes the epistemological key, not just to the gospel, but to life. So it's more than just a picture, right? So when we then think about the gospel, love, name any of these things, 
this is this is a living active thing right and so the 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 word of god is living and active right it does something right it's it's not static it's got some juice it moves it's got a dynamis so i think right there and this is this is this is musing on the mysteries as we talked about i think last time like there's something else going on there there's there's deeper and so in that way it's never boring because there's always more my second point is, and, and, and you're after this a little bit, is that you're dealing with unique situations and unique people and unique times, right? So on one, on one hand, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing that's going to surprise us, right? At the same time, all of these things are applied to individual people. And this is why I think it's very, we got to rethink our concept of imitating Christ. And the, the idea of imitating Christ has a long history in, in the Christian church, um, and some of it good, some of it weird. <laughs> I think in, in America, it becomes just a law thing. What would Jesus do, right? And usually he would do whatever the corporate capitalist. <laughs> right. And what would Jesus do? I mean, the new one is what would Jesus do, and it says he would love, you know, like this passive-aggressive kind of thing. Yeah. It's still law, right? It's still law, but it's more than that. Like, what would Jesus do? probably the exact opposite of what you would do or think you would do because that's the whole point of the cross and it's, right, this is foolishness. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. So that what would Jesus do is just wrong on so many different levels, right? It's law rather than gospel. But the other problem with the idea of imitation is it actually downgrades us a little bit to where God has us, right? And when you hear about the, the words imitation, it's not like... It's not like, uh, okay, here's the rule book. I am now going to do this in this specific situation because this is what Jesus did. It's like something like much more profound, like um, Jesus didn't think that his, his divinity was something to hold on to and grasp, and then I, I'm not going to die on the cross, right? It's, it's something much, much broader than that. And Luther and those who, who write on Luther on vocation had a real, real nice idea uh, about saying, and, and he came... F- he came to this point via criticizing um, the um, uh, honoring the saints, worshiping the saints. And he would say, how could you ever do that? How could you ever look to the saints for guidance in life when you're a unique person living in a unique situation? Right? There's no such thing as imitating Christ or whatever because every situation you're in is a one-off. Because you're unique and your neighbor's unique. And notice how, how that, that honors us in a very profound way, especially in vocation. You're, you're my guy for this specific task. I created good deeds in advance for you to accomplish. But it also curves you outward to your neighbor, right? And so there is no way that you could say, well, the gospel is just going to be a formulaic thing that I'm going to use over and over and over and over again because each time I'm t- speaking to a different person, and even if it's the same person, it's a person in a different part in their life, even if it's only one week has passed. And so I think there's something profound there. And, and, and I'm willing to bet that sh- we certainly repeated things in our pastoral care. Like, that worked last time, let's do this. Or right. And you grew in that. But every situation was unique. 
Yeah. Every situation was unique. So should you memorize these things like in the in the Wisconsin and we have this thing God's great exchange? Sure, that's helpful. But you you by year 2 or 3 you better have a a fuller arsenal. It's the same thing we complain about all the time. Your two-part sermon with themes and parts that's good for about 18 months, then you better have moved on a little bit. And it's not that you can't keep doing two parts and do them no. well, but if, it's, if it becomes <laughs> making sausage, yeah. You should, yeah. you should at one point break. That was not meant to be something that you are going to use for 40 years. At least it shouldn't have been. And you're going to grow out of that. Yeah. This is where I think, too, like some of so, so going, you know, from the, from the task of a, of a preacher and the, you know, new the gospel being new or the gospel growing old or something like that. that that's where I think, you know, studying that craft of preaching some um, to say, you know, okay, you were taught a method yeah. and maybe now, you know, branched out a little bit in seminary where you say, well, this is a method, but there are a couple other ones you should at least be familiar with, which was more than, I mean, I think they started doing some of that just at the tail end of our years yeah. there where they say, hey, we're going to give you an elective on alternative styles or something like that. But I always kind of looked at at some of that as, you know, um, I have to find what what works for me or what fits me. But at the same time, it's good to have a few other tools in the toolbox that, and and sometimes sometimes forcing yourself to pick up one of those other tools to say, um, this will this will force me to think about this in a little bit different way, uh, so that you know, in service of the proclamation of this message, that. You know, and and sometimes it doesn't go well, but you know, sometimes it you know really um, was a, a useful exercise for you, uh, and maybe um, had a way of making that message a bit fresher than what it would have been yeah. if you had just gone to the same old tool. And yeah, and kit. I think I think that the the you know if you want to go okay, what's the what's the ultimate like where position you are is where you're truly textual. Mm-hmm. And the point where you've lived and breathed the text, and I'm not talking about just that week, I'm talking about a lifetime, like when you're out 30, 40 years, and you lived and breathed that text where where you, you, are, you are free from any kind of formula. Right. And the text just, and if there was an outline, and if there was a theme, and if there was blah, 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 it was just came organically through the text. Like the text gives you... I think you can get to the point after many years where the text gives you or multiple texts gives you then the quote unquote formula. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that, that happens with trial and error. Yeah. Cross bearing. It happens with infectum. It happens with you being well-rounded and read, right? Have you have read widely? And the parish teaching you that, right? right? The parish teaching you that, um, and and it's it's you could you could explain it to a seminary student all day long, and maybe he would cognitively get it. But you're like, dude, talk to me in five years, then you'll know. And you it's like when you say to your children, like someday you'll know. Yeah, yeah. and you could and explain it to various people in the pews, but they're going to be in very different places to grasp it and share it in their own life based on how those things have happened with them as well. Uh, you realize you build very different relationships with very with members 
based on the very different experiences with which you that you go through with them um and and sometimes uh some of our members who we could tell most deeply understood the gospel maybe more deeply than we did only got there um through very difficult times yeah, yeah and that's that that's how the gospel is fresh and so I, I think it's unfair for the preacher also to put the burden on them that in a 20-minute or less, hopefully, um, in my, if I'm listening, <laughs> because my attention spans that sermon, that you're going to prep everyone equally. It, it becomes almost like an Arminian view of things, that you're going to prep the person to now get this thing. And, and that's where I think maybe it goes back to, Mike has hit a lot on in the past, and the gospel's more than data. Um. And so maybe part of what I'm getting at is the power of story and not a hokey illustration, um, but the, the scriptures again and again. Mike is building a course right now. I think you're teaching it this semester, Christ in the Old Testament. And Christ is all over in the Old Testament. But how is he again and again in the Old Testament? He's often there in story, this thing happened, or an image. This is a picture of what Christ has done. I know sometimes as a parent, even a term or a title. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes as a parent with my kids, sometimes they've bucked at um, or been unsure about sometimes just showing someone love that isn't necessarily deserved. Like just knowing like this person just needs this love. And it makes sense they've done that because I have done and I still do that often. But I'll say to them, well, that's the gospel. Right? You're, you're showing modeling the gospel and i don't mean by that sometimes people have you know the plaque that says preach the gospel when necessary use words and i think it gets attributed to saint francis i don't know if he ever said that there's no such thing as a wordless gospel um but there is something too biblically speaking uh when luther talks about the role of father or when god says has us say our father in prayer that is supposed to call to mind hopefully gracious, merciful memories of how our Father treated us as models and pictures. And I think that gets to what you guys were hitting on, but the fact that Christ is breaking into all our relationships and into our life. The incarnation means there's never a relationship in which Christ is not here, right? He's the incarnate, the very real God. And so the scriptures can say, you know, you mentioned, Jason, we're not just coming to church for advice, which is so true. If you want real wisdom, what is real wisdom? Christ is the wisdom of God. We're not coming to church just to be told to love. If you want real love, well, 1 Corinthians 13, who is that about? Christ um, is real love. And so a good sermon is always going to get to Christ. And you can't get to a Christ who hasn't been crucified. There's no such Christ to exist. The same as you can't get to a Christ who didn't take on flesh and who didn't rise. Um, and and uh, I think it's easy sometimes to forget that because we can... Uh, those of us who are hearers, as I most often am now, in our daily lives, we sometimes forget that Christ has broken into all these things and he was incarnate. And we feel like, okay, I got to get through the week. I got to get this stuff done. I got this bill to pay. I got this person struggling with that. Or as preacher, it's on me. I got to have this done by this time and I've got this meeting. Um, and maybe that's sometimes a, a helpful reminder. I'll throw it out to either of you to wrap it up. I'm going to go ahead and mute myself and, and uh, you can whatever thoughts you have or tell me if I'm a, I'm a heretic. Well, I'm just going to say you're a heretic 
mm-hmm. just because. No, uh, uh, I think the other thing maybe that comes along with that and kind of touches on some of those different things um, that we've been talking about, both from preacher, the standpoint of preacher and hearer, uh, is to recognize that you know this is this is a a, a lifelong journey. Um, it's a lifelong opportunity to to grow in that and to to. Uh, grow in our not only an understanding but appreciation for some of those things and and it's different things that strike us at different times you know uh, uh, again we're uh, and there there isn't one silver bullet that says okay now I've done this or I've read that or I've experienced this that now I will always appreciate this now I will always appreciate the gospel I'll always appreciate the opportunity to proclaim it or you know, uh, or this will be the way that it'll always hit home for my hearers. Um, but it's an ongoing lifelong thing that, that if you think that, um, you finally got it mastered that now, now you're, now you're probably in trouble. Um, and I think, you know, that happens in different ways. I mean, some of the things that we've talked about, you know, if you're, if you're, a um, a young guy coming out of the seminary and saying, man, why can't I have all this parish experience so that I can, you know, live this and help people, you know, you'll get there. Um, but that comes when God grants it, you know, sometimes it's from studying the text in and, and careful study in the original. Sometimes it's from, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of different, different ways that these insights come and that, that, you know, appreciation grows. And I think, um, Maybe part of part of the conversation today is just have your eyes open for some of these things and look for look for ways um, that you know whether you're as a hearer or a proclaimer um, for ways to say wow that I'm going to pause just a moment and say I, I appreciate that and and how can I look for this again the next time you know um, so. So yeah, I, I think just that idea of recognizing that um, there's no silver bullet or you're probably not ever going to reach a point where you say, all right, I'm satisfied with my level of appreciation for the gospel uh, because, um, well, number one, you're <laughs> a sinful person living in a sinful world, although yet you are also still a saint. But that idea of... Um, that struggle continues and um, will continue until you're called out of this life. So, yeah, I think I like how you said that, you know, whether you're a listener or speaker um, that to see these opportunities and if you are bored with it, so what for a moment, you know, uh, think about like children who are bored in school and you want to shake them and go, do you know, what it took for a whole country to say that education was worthwhile for even people who were not just of the nobility or of a certain gender. Yeah. Like if you came from this other, you would, you would be, you would be just banging down the church, the, the, the school doors. Right. So you're if you're bored with it it's probably because you've been super blessed so don't fall you know don't feel like oh this is terrible but then go on a trip be a tourist read a book go see a movie uh do something that's that is more than just 
the surface level, whatever. I can almost guarantee you that you'll start thinking about things in a more profound way. And when you do that, then the gospel is slotted in there as one of these many profound things. And then hopefully it takes hold of you and you see that it is the most profound thing. And after that, well, I don't don't know if there's anything left to do, but let the bird fly. Another round, I'll set him up. Another round, I'll set him up. 